All right, so guys, this is the Venture Capital Podcast. We are going are sure? deep. I don't know. We've got a few podcasts. Kind of stuttered there, like you weren't sure the which venture. one it was. I am. Uh, I got four and a half hours of sleep last night, guys. Give me a break. <laughs> so one of the things some of the VCs are approaching me about is doing kind of like a VC anonymous podcast. So this episode is us testing this out. Personal reason why I think it's extremely important is because most of the valuable stories that founders can learn end up under the rug, under the equivalent NDA. And I think if there were more war stories that were actually talked about, everyone would be better off. Get contracts reviewed. Here's five stories why. Know that you're not the only one who sucks or is in a sucky situation. Or also though, there was a founder, actually he was public. He talked about like going to commit suicide and talking about the stress of being a founder and being kicked out or having the startup crash. And no one talks about that. I think in the news today, we're hyper-focused on like five or 10 founders and we all think we should be like them. And if we're not them, it's the end of the world. So if you're not Mark Zuckerberg and you don't have the next startup by the time you're 30, if you're not a billionaire, you're a failure. If you're not Evan Spiegel, Snapchat, you're a failure. And what we don't realize is that the media is grandizing, then all of us are having these struggles and challenges. That's true. I, I can see that a little bit. And they worry about the psyche that people have and everything's much more accessible. So everyone's constantly comparing themselves to the 0.0001%. Yeah. I mean, humans do that on everything. But before a hundred years ago, you wouldn't, you would know who's successful in my village, yeah. in my town. Humans are weird that we do that on every, in everything. Mm-hmm. If you're in politics, you're going to feel that way. If you're in happiness is relative. Yeah. Just low expectations. They actually did it economics. That's a, that's real. Like people would rather have a hundred. They'd rather have $10 if everyone else got nine than a hundred dollars if everyone got 900. I mean, they've done this enough that like it's all relative. It's all relative. So um, how do you deal with that? Probably mushrooms or something. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have to change your mind and like learn that you've got abundance else. right with you at any time. All right. I'll pull some mesh- mushrooms out of Chef Boyardee spaghetti sauce. There we go. Lion's mane or something. Yeah. You can probably do some mushrooms. All right. So let's talk about stories. So let's talk about, um, we're going to edit. This is a, a company. I'm not going to mention where they're at, but we'll mention it here. So we all have context. Is that the best way to do it? Sure. What are your thoughts about the weave and rod bin exit? How they weren't not allowed to go to their cup to their company being being hitting like, the ipo yeah like ringing the bell at the nasdaq on a company that they to make this easier let's call the company name acme inc i don't even care let's just talk about it that one let's like, just talk about yeah, it I don't well, but i want to make so, sure when i'm beeping this that out was so like well documented yeah there's nothing we have to like that's already disclosed okay should should vcs be allowed to kick founders out when and why oh yeah i mean like they can they can do it. They can do whatever is legal, I think. And same with like founders to VC. Like, I think there's a lot of like, there's nothing that should be not able to do. It's just like, what's human to do? It's not like, I don't know if anyone's wrong and I don't even got, I've never been into the details. I, I know all the parties involved mostly mm-hmm. um, as individuals. And I'm friends with all pretty much all the people. And I don't see bad people there involved. I just think if there was bad behavior from the VC yeah. side or both. I don't know about, I think mostly from the VC side or whoever had the option to say who can come up to the um, ding, ding, ding thing. And we I'd are, have been the CEO, right? The new the guy new that CEO. they brought in who was just like, hey, I don't want any confusion around what's going on. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just, may, I'm yeah, just maybe. speculating. Who yeah. would have that that ability to choose? I don't think it would be the VCs. I don't think I don't, any of the VCs I, yeah, I came know. out and were like, we cannot let them on. And then who cares about and like confusion like... The confusion happened because they didn't do that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know I think I think it was totally silly not to have them. There. Yeah, just I, dumb. I don't get it. Just dumb. Okay. And so that's that's my thing. It's just dumb. Just like it's like the c- crumble war thing. Mm-hmm. Just dumb. 
And but you know what? The the dirty dough made the best with it. Like they just took it and took this lawsuit from Crumble towards them and just they took that like fireball and like turned it into like a massive volcano and shot back. And now it's like these stupid crumble people. I'm, I'm going to call them stupid. This, whoever got advised and did the legal thing, just, just, just a mistake because it, it made it, they could have had like years of pretty much having like way above their competition. And now, and I, now I think dirty toes like going to, in a few years, catch up and it's going to be one and two. It's going to be like Adidas, Nike, and we don't know which one will be Nike, which one's Adidas. So I, I think it's amazing. But happy for both of them if they if that happens. Yeah, more I, cookies I for yeah, everyone. Exactly, more cookies. I mean, I'm not really. I don't. I don't like. I don't think it was done. I don't think they did it to help both of them grow. I think they did it to not be cap, not to to kind of cheat okay. his cronyism. And I think that's. I think that. I think it, the thing came in, out of a bad act bad behavior once okay peter do you have a suggestion for the next one or should i go next go for it you don't have one or are you thinking no go for it what are your thoughts about founders that do 50 50s that have to break up how should be, people handle that what actually should... a better question is yeah how do you think founders should split equity oh i don't know i think you should ordain a king ordain a king yeah I and what be... you give them 51 um 51 or, or 49 70 70 30 something i think there should be someone i think there probably is always someone that's um and who is that is that the person that holds vision or person that adds value from an it's hard, e- execution it's hard to say and or who depends. It, it's who it's all kind of who would who would who would like jump into the water after like the precious ring first i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't I, know who i kind of wonder if it's like it should be the person that has the vision like not to go back to carta because we took but i heard this thing from henry the ceo that i thought actually made sense and he was like i know it's not fair to my leadership team that i replace them every so often mm-hmm. when they've kind of hit their ceiling yeah. but i don't get replaced but he was like i went and talked to my vcs and the vcs were like no because your job is to hold vision yeah and we can't replace that we can replace operating all day long we can't replace a person holding the vision and like it's also like holding vision but also the ability to sell that vision to funders employees customers yeah I, think, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I think the vision and the situations where I know that like there's a kind of a king, uh, uh, what do you want to call it, a benevolent dictator of yeah. equity, of holds that most <laughs> equity. Um, it's the visionary. It's the person that's probably the impetus of the idea. If you think of any idea, it's probably sprung from an individual. It's yeah. really hard to say that they were co-created. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it's an individual that's like, I've got a problem, and this I'm going to is... tell my problem, and then they're going to gather people around it. So yep. I think if that visionary came up with the thing, it's they're the benevolent dictator and so 50 50 never i don't think okay. you're supposed to do that if a startup comes to you at convoy and is 50 50 do I, you make them solve I, it first I, I don't know the answer to that i think we would probably send them to like like our lawyers that kind of do docs probably tell them like this is not typical you don't want to do this for these reasons you would not have them cleared up first you would try to clear up as part of the deal yeah or you just go 40 40 and make sure they've got like equity to do other things you know no, like a pool yeah like just make sure that there's something that can break the tie yeah. right in the get at the beginning but as a vc you don't want to be the tiebreaker or do you want to be the tiebreaker I don't, I don't know actually i've never really had i've never had anything what's, what's kind of funny is for most things you don't really ever have to like i don't i don't i've never had to invoke like a tiebreaker or a vote it's like it just seems like it just seems like most companies aren't feel, in that situation. i feel like if you're tiebreaking you're kind of already losing yeah that's probably true right because like you yeah. really want everybody like going the same direction yeah and if you're already like you know dictating to you know who's the winner in a dispute you're not in the same going the same direction anymore 
one of the investors I respect locally, I'm not going to mention his name. I used to kind of rag on him. Maybe not ragging is the wrong word, but he would initiate a lot of breakups. And I'm like, mm. this is a hostile activity. <laughs> but as I'm getting further on, and I'd like to hear your opinion, I feel like these are issues that will would eventually have come to a head. And they're just saying before I get involved or show any positive signal or negative signal, you need to clear this up. And if you can't clear it up, then you don't qualify for the next round of due diligence. Hmm. I think, I don't know. I think there's some wisdom in that. Like I was just looking at a deal and like we were really excited about it, really strong team, all these things. And then we're like halfway through diligence and the co-founder and like two of the other senior executives just like bounced. And then I've watched the company over the last year and like they lost a whole year and like probably at least $5 million trying to rebuild the team. And it would have been so much better before they even raised that last round to figure out all those founder problems. Yeah. Because I think now the company is going to go under. Whereas if they had like solved those problems, rebuilt the team, like all that, and then raised money, they'd be they'd be off to the races and they'd be so much better off. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think there needs to be, I just called Trent, my partner, Mono at Convoy Ventures. Um, since this new episode, I'm going to kind of like make sure we have syntax here. But uh, the, 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 the uh, Trent Mono and I had a conversation about really coaching uh, the best. Like, if there's anything we can offer as a VC, it should be around uh, marriage counseling as okay. we can, or some, make, making sure that because we've seen so many things go awry with the original co-founders, where you lose a year, you yep. you the met the cap table gets messy instantly, like instantly, like you're, you haven't even found product market fit, and your cap table's all over the place because of of these issues. And so we're we're trying to figure out how do we coach and make sure there's like some some like ongoing work workshops to like make sure you're even thinking about these because new founders have no idea this is not something they think about they're thinking about their their product and they don't realize the hundred things that are going to go awry that are that are not even involved with their product that just come with making a startup happen and that's where that's where so much time is wasted is like it's the entity i do what do i do here how do i do equity how do i hire how do i fire and there's a million things that that like take your mind off how do i actually figure out if this product and problem is even worth going after because you're distracted by all these all these just table stakes pieces of shit things that burn all of your time and they often end up with like part of that is like just co-founder relationships that you don't realize are, are pretty vital and almost everything kind of comes back to how well you work with that partner well and we talked about this at lunch the other day that like some of the best investments that you guys have done and uh, and i think you know same here that like the best teams are the ones that have like done something before right they've kind of figured out all that crap and so they don't waste time on it they're just like humming and cranking i have a new thesis on brothers yeah sisters or yeah not husband and wife though that you'll back you'll back siblings siblings are good kind of like the rodmans think about rodmans winklevi parkers um the the guys at tax bid or brothers there's a lot of there's a lot of brothers team there these guys have quarreled and got their shit figured out like way before they started doing companies so if they're together at a company and they've worked together before there's like they can speak raptor you know to each other they can do things that that a lot of us can't do and that's what you know that's what a lot of funds look for in just any co-foundership like did they do have they been at war together like even physically did they were they in a a battalion together did they play on a sports team together did they fail at another startup together and are still hanging out and still friendly that's a huge sign two people that have failed before and are still at it let's go let's go how much dead weight is too much dead weight on a cap table let's say there was an early there early like two founders one left that founder maybe has an option a five percent an think, option b doubles it double digits is absolutely too much dead weight yeah and then um 
then you get in that five to 10% range. It's like, um, sheesh, you know, already we're like, that's like a number that a, a, a potential investor could have that's like helping you get to your series A and stuck with a, a person that's who knows what, you know, has never qualified to be at a startup at all. And is, mm-hmm. and is almost a detractor possibly. You never know. They could be sending you legal be- fees and bills. And so it's like, oh my gosh, there's like dead weight with like cost extra, extra. Mm-hmm. Yeah intangential or like things that come from that dead weight that's like pulling you down even more than just the percentage of ownership but like who they might be and how they feel towards the company so under five percent peter yeah no i i agree i mean i'm thinking like but you're also investing later on so no but it but it still impacts um went through this okay so um the founder oh it's scott scott thanks um had a bunch of his buddies that helped him start the company and they all owned like a piece of the company and then it grew and it got bigger and he tried to like push them out and it became this like huge thing Mm. it got the whole board had to get involved all the investors had to like sign off and they they basically like bought out the i think they called themselves like five or something like that and like it was like this big drama and kind of a headache and cost the money cost the company a bunch of time and money and so forth so i don't know like dead weight still kind of matters oh um, yeah it matters even at the growth stages because like sometimes like they'll kind of like push it under the rug but eventually it comes back to bite still so you see it at your stage not super often but occasionally i mean the, the thing that we see at the growth stage that's a little bit challenging is sometimes you have these cap tables that are like 150 lines long and it's like everyone and their dog is in there, you know? And and I always wonder too, like when I see that, it's kind of a bit of a red flag of like, you know, how good a, a fundraiser is this founder? You know, there is a certain amount of like, you know, you get your money where you can and convince your friends and family. Yeah. But there's yeah. another where it's like every family member and their cousin and their dog have like but $2 there, in the company. Have you ever <laughs> seen a dog on a cap table? Because we're thinking about putting AI on our cap table. <laughs> okay. Why not? Like, no, but just... I've seen a lot of like, like uh, trusts and memorial, like yeah, I stuff think, like I think that. we need to have a, a non-person on the cap table and possibly an animal this year. Chat GPT three really cool. on yeah. the cap table. All right, next question. They is, wrote all the code, so <laughs> is there too much funding that a startup has raised? Like, let's say a company is doing has raised ten million and they're doing a million or two a year in revenue, but they have a very compelling story Did at they the burn moment. All ten million? Yes, but they have a very compelling story, and a lot of the management team is. Sh- has shaken up, but they're still an original founder from How about the 10 million and they have no revenue and they're raising more? I mean, that's several of those. <laughs> there's there's going to be a lot of more of those coming. There's a lot of people. But would that be a, a deal breaker? No. It just depends what they're doing. Not necessarily. Yeah. I think the challenge you run into is that by that point, the founder owns so little of the company. The person that like has to move the puck forward that you really worry like how incentivized are they really right. at the end of the day? Like we were in this one deal years ago where that kind of happened. Like they raised a bunch of money and then they like tripped a little bit and they didn't really grow the business and they needed to raise more. And by this time, the founder owned like a percent of the company, Oh geez. you know, and, and he should have owned somewhere in the range of at least 10 to 15% at this stage of where the company was, right? Yeah. Minimum, right? 10 to 15. Probably should have owned like 20%. Do I know this one? I don't know. Is it Utah? It is Utah. Interesting. So anyways, so what they did though is they held the board hostage and the guy was paying himself like half a mil in salary a that's year because he that. was like, oh, I'm going to make up for it, you know? Yeah, that's what I would do. And, uh, you know, as a VC, like it's frustrating because on the one hand, like, I don't know, like you want them to be incentivized. On the other hand, you don't want to be putting money into salaries 
like at that level, because that's money that could have been used for marketing, hiring more devs, you know, whatever it was. And so then what they had to do is they had to go back and basically like reset the whole cap table. And so a bunch of VCs got wiped out, including a bunch here in Utah. And they had like crazy pay to play provisions and all these things yeah. to basically get this, the CEO and the team back up to like a reasonable ownership. I had to do that in a company. That one Wooly. Yep. It was like, it was either surrender some of my ownership or I just don't think it was going to progress forward. Yeah, just do you want a piece left. of something or a piece of zero? Exactly. Yeah, do we need so to bleep I, this or not bleep this? No, it's fine. Leave that on. I mean, yeah. that's real stuff. I, I think one of the things that's challenging along this line is I've got a friend who's going through a scenario and he's trying to raise capital to clean up the cap table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Ugh, that's a horrible one. Like I, just, I feel like I they're just, holding them hostage. Yeah. And they're like, hey, this is our market value. This is what we've done. Here, but they've the, left. Here's the problem, though, as a VC, like there are so many fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody comes and you're looking at it for the first time, right, you're not an insider. So somebody just brings like this like messy cap table, messy situation. You're just kind of like, you know what? I don't need this in my life. <laughs> I've got like 50 million other startups that I could back. That are fresh. That are fresh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clean cap tables. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How much does I, I kind of wonder if like you should just like cut bait and run, especially <laughs> if your insiders aren't willing to especially come in right, and Especially right up. now. I mean, this oh, would yeah. be a time where it's just like, dang, if they're going to bring me leftovers, then it's like I can't find any meat left on it. Those are fresh deals that are just, there's just. How much does a messy cap table, is, it, is that an actual signal of a bad founder or founder who's not ready? No, I don't know. It's definitely know. a sign that there's have been stories. some bumps. But everyone has bumps. Everyone has bumps. But a, lot of but... the, a lot of people's first one, if someone makes it on their first one, it's like they weren't thinking cap table when they, my first company, luckily I didn't even know you had a cap table. I owned it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, that was just by accident that I happened to get an offer and be able to sell it and not have to ask an investor or is all bootstrapped you know there's there's just the I, I just don't think you can say tell enough by a cap table on if a founder is worthy or not so for you it's not a negative for peter it is a negative well just but look i think i think it's, like it's facebook it's, even and stuff it, what we know from the movies it, it's one data point right so yeah if you have a clean cap table that's great does that mean i'm gonna do the deal no not necessarily if you have a super messy cap table like is that what's, bad what's yeah the, that's bad but is it gonna be a deal killer mm. What's maybe, the, maybe not. Probably not. What's the messiest know. cap table that you've seen since I feel like we're on the cap table wagon? Okay, so you guys can bleep this name out. So this, okay. do you guys know the company? Actually, they rebranded. It used to be. Oh, yeah. Goodness, that thing had a messy cap table. <laughs> really? It's an older company. It's, it's, a, it's a, a really time. old company. Anyways, so this company had raised like, okay, so they had built they'd bootstrapped this thing to like 10 mil in revenue mm-hmm. like good number right especially for utah at the time because this yeah. was a number of years ago so they get it up to 10 million dollars they bring in this vc uh to lead it and uh and our and our fund participated and then the company just immediately went sideways like could not grow revenue anymore and it had been growing like over 100 percent every year and then raise the money from the VCs, goes flat. And then they like they were like, we're going to kickstart growth by buying this other company. So they bring this other company and try to merge it. That didn't go well. And yeah. then, but with it, they brought in like these, like quote unquote top tier venture funds, kind of like tier one, tier two venture yeah. funds to participate. And so now you had this like super messy, like merger in a company that wasn't growing, but was like generating enough revenue that nobody wanted to shut it down, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, it was just nasty, nasty. Yeah, they're they're trying. I think they're on. I think the NFT stuff rebounded that company quite a bit in the last. Yeah, year. but how are they doing right now? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that that shoot. was that was a gnarly 
And then like the found, so the founder, I don't know if you know this, the founder of that company, the original founder uh, was the guy that did, uh, Oh, really? And oh, then got yes, sued by this. Oh, I knew that. I, rem- <laughs> I remember hearing about that. Five but yeah, the five. yeah the thing is, is like you had multiple investors at different prices. You had like tons of individuals that had funded this company. You had like crazy pay to play provisions and conversions. And, and I we still use it sometimes for training on like, hey, if you can build out this cap table and correctly get to the amount that we need to invest to maintain our ownership, you will understand cap tables through and through. Okay. Interesting. What are some of the common things you guys are seeing or problems or stories, things the NDAs have covered up in the deep, dark side of the venture capital world? Just a lot of lawsuits. Like lawsuits are an interesting one where you find out sometimes too late that there's past litigation. That's like there's a not really a easy way to talk about that. Maybe it should just be in the deal room, like any pending uh, litigation should be like talked about but that good data rooms have that they do and if they don't disclose it they're actually like liable i know but the problem is is once you put money into the company and then you find out what are you going to do sue them and then like you lose all your money like we've had that happen i think twice already um one of my first deals, my only exit I've had really in my angel portfolio was something called Donut Media in LA. And they, they before I sent them money, they, would, they did have to clear up a, a legal situation that kind of put hair on the deal at first. But I just loved the founder and, and what they were doing. And he, he, had no, he was speaking frank with me. And it was like, that was part of the deal. Probably why it was affordable too in some ways is it had, you know, it was salvage license type of thing and so it's like or salvage title and i'm like let's do this because i know what you guys are about to do and ended up being a great company and did mm-hmm. you make him yeah. clean that up though before you wired the money over i think we did i think i had to make sure it was like i don't do a ton of diligence as an angel i'm not the yeah. i'm not getting in the deal room i'm i'm basically meet the founder do i like him or not and do i do i, I just go with the gut and yep. it's, it's worked for me i just don't have the skills to look at a massive lines of uh, spreadsheets and get anything out of it it's like i don't care if i if i trust the person telling me that this, i should invest at this stage and that's and that is early stage investing for oh, you I for mean, that's, sure that's like for sure it's, it's i think it's better to be proficient at the gut than the uh try to make anything of numbers that don't make any sense anyway they usually don't have numbers yeah there are no numbers to go off of yeah yeah i mean it's basically like do you like the market and is this founder like a killer are yeah. they gonna get it done yeah okay okay i dig my problem is that like by the time we invest there's like real traction there's real numbers and all of a sudden like valuation actually starts to matter mm-hmm. a lot and so you got to feel like you know you're getting in at a price given the risk that you're going to get like a risk adjusted return and sometimes like we'll look at companies where like valuation is super high and we're like yeah you're doing 50 million revenue but at that valuation i'm basically taking seed stage risk mm-hmm. and then i gotta evaluate do i want to take that kind of risk on this type of company you know, because mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, if, if they're valued at like, you know, the heyday of 2021, where it was like 100x ARR, yeah, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, that's a $5 billion company. You know, it's like if I want to get a risk adjusted return like 10x, this has to be a $50 billion company. How many <laughs> of those, right, are there? Not, not, not many, yeah. right? So it, it kind of creates this like seed stage risk profile. And I've seen people invest in like in terms where they would have to get to get a 10x, would have to get to 50 billion. I'm like, I don't think they even. <laughs> are doing the math you know like i think there's some people that don't even understand that kind of thing like they're just getting in they're I've, just I've excited seen that happen. i've just seen that happen and i, I know I've, i can say i've probably fallen once or twice to just just like oh, anything to support you even if it's, it's even if it's a two or three x i just want i want to see this come to life i want to be 
behind that thing and i'm okay with a 3x and that and i actually still am i mean there's some things it's like still a yeah. 3x in a few years is better than a lot of uh saving mechanisms out there it's like donut media was not a massive multiple return but it was it beat any of my real estate and stuff that i did during that time yeah it was a, it was a right good proper venture return yeah um wasn't out of the park but just like beats beats other things i could have invested in during that time so i'll take that risk sometimes on a $50 billion. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds amazing. Do you have any? (laughs) I'll I'll tell you the, my anti-portfolio one that uh, I, I have mixed feelings about. Tell the audience about the anti-portfolio. So we, we, um, I think we're doing that too. We almost did SpaceX at a $10 billion valuation. Is that a good idea? Well, they're now trading at over a hundred billion. So that would have been a 10 X. Yeah. Going from 10 to over And you could have liquefied your, you could have got out. Oh yeah. We could have sold on secondaries. But, you know, at the time, like rockets were literally built blowing up on the launch pad. So like it was, <laughs> yep. they hadn't, they hadn't successfully recovered a rocket yet. You know how they, you know, bring them yep. back down. Yeah. Hadn't done that, you know. And it was just like, I remember we had a student that was just like literally pounding the table like, Wait, this is Elon freaking Musk. <laughs> <laughs> he will not lose. In some ways he hasn't yet. Yeah. Like in the long run, he doesn't have to shut anything down. And I, I'm like, even to think that he was behind OpenAI and yeah. kind of parted with Sam Altman. I mean, he he has been behind most of the things that that have made some significant noise. And now Twitter, and uh, you know, well, you have to see probably what the boring company and what is his Neuralink have like really. They haven't really had their moment yet. Yeah, and he hasn't killed them though. So it's he like, hasn't killed them. He's not like as involved with them either, though. No, I don't think so. You know what he was doing that I think never happened? What was that? Wasn't someone to make a super fast channel or like sucking thing? What oh, the Hyperloop? Hyperloop, whatever that. I, I think that. it still kind of is out there. Really? I mean, that's what the whole boring company was supposed to be doing. That's what I thought. Is they're building they're, the tunnels, make, right? Yeah, but are they making the Hyperloop? Like, I thought the whole idea of the Hyperloop was like this suction suction travel where you just, or some type of like technology yeah. that just would. Yep, they talked about doing the Hyperloop between Pune, Mumbai, oh, and yeah. India, and I was looking forward to that. And I was like, it would be awesome. That would right. be cool. Might get motion sick, but it would be awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like light speed. Have you read his bio- biography? I, I, his, his biography I, I is pretty I think I might have listened to it, but I don't think I've, I can't remember now. When did it come out? Oh, it was a while ago. I think I did. I think I did. I want to say I, yes, like at least like six or seven years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I did it on Audible. All right. That's right. It was All basically right. my takeaway from it was like just don't best bet against Elon. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring him back because we're not Elon All experts. All right, yeah, come on. But anti portfolios, <laughs> anti portfolios. What's your anti portfolio? What'd and, you miss? And that's and what we missed. Um, Mine was Lucid Chart. Lucid. Yeah, I was really good friends with one of the Lucid Chart guys. <laughs> with Ben? No, um, Daryl. With Daryl, yeah. I introduced Daryl. I decided to not do the deal myself. Introduced Daryl. Daryl took it, ran with it. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know. I, I knew Daryl was trying to do like some little like photo booth pop up thing, and uh-huh. I never saw that coming. Um, that was a. It's like the second he I I stopped working with him on this like photo booth thing for my iPad enclosures. He went did Lucid, and it's like boom, boom. Um, I didn't have a chance to invest in that. Probably Pura, probably like a Pura. Like uh, that was that was rounding up around that I could have been in. And what um, do you feel like you missed on Pura? I just I just I would have liked. I want more consumer tech in my that that's out there with customers i mean i don't know yet if they're are they have they reached true escape velocity i don't know i'm not gonna put them in like just like but i don't think they're going anywhere um 
Owlet I didn't do, and I probably could have worked my way into that one. I don't yeah. know what that what that looked like, but I like I like I would have liked to have like a really cool cut, uh, consumer device like that, or you know like a customer connected tech thing. Yep, that they are. Um, I was like Nate Quigley and what he was doing at Chatbooks. I don't. I never actually. I'm not a user of the product, or yeah, I haven't ever felt compelled to. But I know that there are users out there, and I would have enjoyed you know having that in my portfolio, even if it was a. It'd been like I'd probably donate media win if I. I don't know if they've ever done secondaries or anything. I don't know if they'll ever exit, so yeah, maybe I, I would have been stuck in it forever. But yeah, um, Homey probably. There's times I felt like I missed that. That was in my anti portfolio, but I don't know now. You know, it's like one yeah. of those things. So I don't have a massive anti-portfolio. I would have, there's some that I could have said no to um, that I didn't say no to, but I was on the fence and I'm like, glad I did not, glad I got into that when I did and not say no. So I have those ones that were close calls (laughs) that I, that I'm very. Do you have the opposite? Close calls where you're like, Ooh, I'm glad that one didn't work out. Um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Or or glad it didn't work out or, or that one glad I didn't invest because that went south south you're saying yeah 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 where you were like right ready to do it yeah and then something yeah yeah um definitely i can't like bring him up in my mind right now but uh yeah i i definitely had those where i almost did it and then the the probably the reason i didn't feel it was the reason that you know something it's usually it's usually just a founder yeah it's always just like a vibe yeah. To be honest, if it doesn't work, it's a vibe I feel. And it's like, something's not right. Yep. And then it usually ends up being not right. Just like the gut was right at that stage. Like, yep. yep. We met this company at CES and like our students were super pumped about it. It mm-hmm. was in like the kind of self-driving side of the space. And um, and like for a while, we were kind of kicking ourselves for not doing it because they went on to raise like round after round at bigger and bigger valuations. Mm. And then just recently, uh, the company's getting sued by the DOJ. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> like corporate espionage stuff. So they're gonna and I think they're going to like totally fold. Oh, no. So, <laughs> yeah, now now my partner and I are kind of like. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's a few in our portfolio that could still possibly go. You know, like we we did investment. This is public. We didn't something they could have really solved, but we did a into a a protocol called no. It was Nomad. That was like a Web three protocol. Um, I wasn't too involved with the with the uh, diligence on that one, but you know, trusted my team to go find some good stuff, and it was a crazy valuation. So we didn't have a lot of it, and we didn't put a lot in either. But about a few months after the investment, they had a their bridge was hacked, you know, essentially, Ooh. and just drained of its all of its customers' liquidity. And it was like on chain, so it was kind of like it was everyone no one's fault. Yeah, everyone can see it happening. Yeah, but, see it yeah. happening. No one's <laughs> no one's no one's fault really. It was just someone forgot a zero or something in a in a line of code that allowed it to just drain the liquidity out Ooh. of this thing. And and it's just like those are ones where it's like that's the hard thing with crypto is you make yeah. one mistake. Yeah, yeah, and it's a mistake. You know, it's not. A, it's not like it wasn't like someone left a vulnerability there. Or it wasn't. Right, it was right. just a just just, just a, a mistake. Oversight. Yeah, yeah. Craters the company. Yeah, and they're still around, but I don't. It's just kind of. It's a hard to rebuild. You know. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. When as a founder, when do you encourage a founder to walk versus fight when they have co-founder issues? Oh man, um, how much I mean, of the company do they own? <laughs> I'm in the middle of this right now. <laughs> okay. And uh, it just depends on it's like it's like with any legal battle. It's like what is your what's your life? What do you want in your life right now? Like what energy do you want? Because sometimes 
when you fight, it'll never be the same. Even if you get what you want, it could ruin the company or ruin your life. <laughs> so yeah. it's like just really just like those are moments where you have to figure out what in what do I want my life to be like right now? Like what what do I like? Is this is this idea important enough to me that I can deal with some super mental brain damage? Like can I take the punches and get some TK? You know, because you might lose some bouts. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it can forever, like it, it can be a, it can be a rough few years. And if you're going through something and like outside of business in your life at that time, if you're going through a divorce or, a, you know, kids are, you know, at a teenage years or you have a, you know, my wife's um, co-founder right now and it's been really hard in some ways. And she's got a, a dad and father just went through dementia this last year and kids are boarding mm-hmm. school and she's married to me, which is basically lots of brain damage on the daily so like there's just things you gotta say am i ready to is it, can i can i do i have the, the the you know mental fortitude to do a fight right now or should i should i uh you know what is that martial art where you kind of just let them blows pass and kind of you know not not really uh engage a little bit of Aiki though yeah so i don't i, I it's ugh, i think that's all individual to the person Okay. At the, in the time, I can't. I can't say there's an overarching rule there. I don't know about on the co-founder side, like where you have a dispute with your co-founder. But um, several years ago, I sat down with one of our the entrepreneurs that we backed, and I was like, "Yeah, hey, let's go to lunch," because things weren't going well in the company. And um, I was like, "You should really consider hanging up the spurs on this one and just starting over." And he was like, he's like, yeah, but we we just moved into this pivot. And anyways, we talked about it and like a lot of that stuff, like what do you want your life to be, you know, and yeah. where do you want to put your energy? And um, I think he kind of took it and like ran with it in the opposite direction of what I was thinking. I was <laughs> like, you should quit and like start over. And he was like, screw you. I'm going to build this thing into something big. And uh, to his credit, like Did it? they found this pivot and it's a fantastic business. It's, it's one of those that uh, I don't, it's definitely underappreciated in Utah, but it's metrics can't, can't talk like, about it. outperform so many others. Yeah. So now growing really fast, really good they customer to- retention, you know, every SaaS metric you want. Yeah. A VC uh, reached out to me about that one and I passed. Like, John, you should get involved. They could use your help. And I'm like, mm. no, thank you. It was probably at the time, it was the smart move. Mm-hmm. I think they were they were struggling with their pivot. Yeah. And I I had felt like they'd just been around for a long time. He talks about he likes to see startups get traction. And there's usually something where the startup breaks. Yep. And then it has this like kind of like valley of death. But he says if they can start coming and their trajectory starts changing, he says, I don't care if I hate the business. That's my signal to double down. You know oh. who's one of the biggest shareholders? Who? Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. It's the Scott Fraser And they model. totally did that. Like they put some money in early on, dipped, Golly. and then they plowed ton more in as they came out of that. That old that school pivot. PE money, man. That'd be nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what he did with Almger and a bunch of others. Yeah. It's worked out really well for him. Yeah. How do we get that money? When do we get to start playing big dollars, Peter? I don't know. Jeez. You already have the big dollars. All right. Whatever, dude. Next <laughs> next question. Next question. Maybe the last question for this round. You're always on top of it. <laughs> no, you don't have no idea. I, um, if you give me enough time, I can right. I remember, I, rem- I remember. I remember. When, let's say you have, let's just mention names. We're going to filter this out. Mm-hmm. Okay. She had another startup, which in my mind is very different from this startup. 
corporate and corporate massage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When should you walk away, and when should you continue or copy or do like a mirror the cap table? Because she pit like did she mirror the cap table? I thought she just kept it going. Yeah, she just and kept pivoted it going. the business. I'm an investor in. Yeah, she pivoted in corporate, in corporate massage. But when I've heard the story, it's like this is a brand new business. Yeah, but and I mean, like, it's just a pivot, right? How do you look at it's it? It's just a hard pivot. pivot? What, it was a pivot. No, it was technically a pivot. A hard pivot, though. So you would call it a hard pivot. I would say this is a new business. I mean, to me, a new business is you shut down the old one, right? Or or you do. So, but you, the question is, you, when you effectively you, reset cap table. Because there's cash. I don't think she did either of those things. Because COVID destroyed the other business. Yeah, it was a massage, people touching people during. In the office. In the office. <laughs> so that it was, was tech enabled yeah, during COVID. Yeah, it's just like. I mean, it was tech enabled, let's be honest. I mean, it wasn't like that tech enabled. No, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that tech enabled. <laughs> I thought it was a great business, though. Yeah, I invested because I'm like, dang it, the numbers look good and loved loved her energy and to be in a very small a check, but like, yeah. And I was impressed with her pivots and uh, and I would say it's a pivot, not a new bit, not a new business. Okay. It's just a scrappy way to 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 pivot, but like as bad a hard as a pivot you could do, and that was because of the environment that I don't oh, think anyone. Right. But that's the How's question. She doing today? When do you? I don't know, but the question is is when do you reset the cap table walk? You're saying is when revenue goes to zero. Or you shut no, it down. No, 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 no. Well. Because to me, I think she should have shut it down and started over. But she had a bunch of cash on the balance sheet. Yeah. She, so she still had runway. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the and whole. And she was arguing, because I met with her when she made the pivot, because we thought about it. But the reason we, actually, it doesn't matter why we didn't. Um, I mean, her argument was like, hey, we are still servicing a similar client and solving a similar pain point, uh, we're just doing it in a slightly different way. Yeah. Right? Instead of like it being like a physical interaction, it's more of a digital interaction. Yeah. I think that's... I think that's For me, that's like, it's like you have hard pivots when there's not a whole lot of appetite to keep funding the current thing. Okay. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Go to venturecapital.fm if you want to subscribe. We were talking about war stories and lessons that we can take away.